This is the Horse Radio Network. Hi, I'm Jennifer Wood. And I'm Jennifer Connor from Equestrian Businesswomen, and you're listening to Equestrian B2B, the podcast that brings together industry leaders, entrepreneurs, and equestrians for conversations about how they build and sustain a successful business. On today's show, we will discuss how to build a great team for your business, from hiring the right teammates, how to keep the team motivated, and how to keep everyone working in harmony. Specializing in the companion animal and equine industries, our guest, Jenna Much, has over 20 years of commercial experience. Jenna has worked in both startup and large animal health companies. She's very active in the veterinary and equine community, a show jumper and wife of a Grand Prix rider. She's on the advisory board for Humble, an Oakland, California-based equine nonprofit program dedicated to positively impacting youth from disenfranchised communities. Jenna has dedicated her career working directly with product innovators and their teams, veterinarians and their staff and owners to continue to bring and support innovation in animal health to improve the lives of the animals we love. So before we start talking to Jenna, I wanted to mention that our title sponsor for this episode is Darby Bonomi, performance psychologist. She was a guest on our very first episode and Connor, I know we learned so much from her about how to really take care of yourself and what you can do mentally and emotionally as a business leader and in business. Yeah, she did a great job talking about people finding their why. Mm-hmm. And I I know that she was really great at helping people set goals. We did a lot of talking about that. Mm-hmm. It was very interesting conversation with her. Yeah, I really found that the interesting part of her story was that she was in the traditional space for psychologists and she decided she wanted to move into this different area and she wasn't sure she could do it. And, you know, she said, as a woman, we tend to doubt ourselves and think we're not ready or not prepared or we don't know enough. And another woman looked at her and was like, Darby, you are ready for this. You can do it. You don't need to do anything else. Go do this. Start it. It's what you love. And she took that step because she had someone kind of give her that little boost that she needed. And I think that's, you know, how she helps people now too, is to let people know it's okay to take that first step. And she deals with equestrians of all kinds and kids and making sure they're not stuck in that perfectionism cycle of always thinking everything has to be perfect before you do something new. Yeah. I remember she said, never waste a good mistake. Yes. That was a great <laughs> saying. It was great. So thank you um, to her for sponsoring this episode. Yeah. Thanks, Darby. What are your aspirations? Winning a national championship? Stepping up to the next level? Launching or growing a thriving equestrian business? I'm Dr. Darby Bonomi, and as a lifelong equestrian and business owner, I understand our sports complexities and the stamina it takes to get and stay on top. As a sports and performance psychologist, I've helped many athletes and business owners like you turn everyday challenges into opportunities to thrive. You've got what it takes. Let's turn on your flame and shine. 
So we have Jenna Much here today to talk to us about building a team, which is something that Connor and I have discussed a few times, and we've always thought it would be great to get more insight into it. Um, I know that it's more than just interviewing and hiring. You really have to think strategically about it and the right types of people that will fit into what you already have, or if you're starting from the ground up, what you want to build. And Jenna, is there a strategy or what kind of strategy should someone have when you're putting together a successful team? I think the core of what you need to think about when you're putting together your team is what are you all aligning on? If the team is completely aligned on the goal, the mission, the passion, what you're striving to achieve, then there's a clear path. And and if you don't have that clear path, then the team will not know where to go. So you could actually even hire somebody that doesn't fit the team because they think the path is one way and you haven't explained where the company is going or what your personal team within the company's goals are. So I think it's really important to have clear alignment, even with your current team, your potential new hires, and really everybody across your organization. So Jenna, if you already have a team put together, is there a way that you interview to introduce somebody new onto the team? Yes, I do. I've done that a lot. We had pretty rapid growth at Kindred Bio in terms of growing from I was the first commercial hire all the way through our our large commercial organization. And I think that it's really important to know the culture of your team and know how they like to work and how they like to function. I think diversity of thought is really important. If you hire a ton of people that think exactly the same and operate exactly the same, you you won't stretch as an organization. And I think making sure that those that are coming into that team are also aligned with some of those goals and passion components, and also that they feel like they have the space that they're going to move into as the expert. When you have a team that's growing, often you'll have someone that's wearing a ton of hats and you've gotten to a point where that person needs to divide up their job, really. And one of the things that I find is a, is a priority that I always do with my team is instead of saying for that individual, and this is, a, I can give you a very specific example. I had an individual that was responsible for all of the logistics and warehousing, as well as sales operations. Those are two totally different jobs. And as we grew, I went to him and asked, where is your passion? Is your passion with the warehousing, with distribution models, or is it more about sales operations? And he was a very clear answer of, I want to be in sales ops. And that's what I want to do. And so that allowed me to look for the right person to fill, come in and fill that other role and very clear, a clear path for them to walk in as the ex- expert in that situation. So you really feel like you need to know the role that somebody's going to play when you're interviewing and bringing somebody new into the team. Absolutely. And and they're going to wear a lot of hats and they're going to bring extra. I think the other big thing is not keeping individuals within these boundaries that they can't stretch themselves. I can give you a great example of an employee that I hired as an inside sales rep was our first one. And was prior to launch, we were getting ready to launch a huge amount of work was going into it. And we had decided to use our 3PL, our logistic providers, customer service team. And she actually secret shopped our own 3PL's customer service team and put together an entire presentation and presented to me and as well as the rest of the leadership team that it wasn't good enough and it wasn't representing our company the right way. And she did it within the first week of our launch. And that was great because her plan was very robust and thorough. And and so she went from N of one as an inside sales 
rep to managing an entire customer service and inside sales team. And that you have to allow the space for your team to be creative, but also what is their core function and their core goal within the team? Do you think that's how you make everybody feel like they're part of the team? Absolutely. If they know their place on the team, then they can feel very comfortable in their expertise. I think it's really important that, and I I say this all the time, if you are hiring someone that you think you could do their job better than they could, you're hiring the wrong person. You need to hire experts and people that are the best of the best for that role. And then when they come in feeling like that, then they can feel confident. They may not have done a lot of things, especially in startup that they'll be asked to do, but if they, if their expertise in what you're hiring them for, that will enable them to grow because they'll feel very confident that they can lean back on, on what they do know and that you're hiring them for that. And once you've got your team together and you've done your hiring, how do you incorporate new people into a team that's already built? How do you make sure that they join seamlessly? I don't ever interview on my own. My Depending on what the role is, whoever they're going to be interacting with, they will have met their core team basically prior to joining the company. Whether that's someone who's joining the marketing team gets interviewed by not only who their boss will be, but the sales leadership. Someone who's joining operation, sales operations would be interviewed by both marketing and sales. So they feel very comfortable because they've already made those introductions and they already have a feel for what the culture is going to be like. And, and I also really like the fact that they can ask those people questions about me as a leader. And I think that's a great thing too, is that they'll walk in knowing what the culture of the team is and and what to expect. Yeah. To me, I feel like that's one of the hardest parts. You've got maybe the personalities work well together, but maybe the way that they work doesn't gel or one person thinks they're in charge of something. The other person thinks that they're overstepping or things are overlapping. I think navigating those is one of the hardest parts of putting a team together. Have you had any experiences where you've had to navigate disagreements and how do you keep moving things forward through a disagreement? Absolutely. Startup is hard, period. It doesn't matter if, what part of the business you are in. It is hard. It's hard work. It's challenging. There's high pressure, high expectations, and a lot riding on it. I think the biggest thing is aligning. If you have a team that's disagreeing or they feel like there's lack of clarity or someone's not pulling their weight, to get them everybody together... And I know it's hard with COVID, but there's ways to do this and to ensure that you've defined roles and responsibilities so that who is the owner of this project, but who is also the contributors. So having a clear map there and then also sharing what that person does on their day-to-day basis, because Mm -hmm. most people don't know that within a team, they know what their role and their title is and what they do to work with them, but they might not know that they are also building investor decks for the CEO, or they Mm -hmm. might not know projects that they're working on for some of the early stage development teams. And, And so to really level set of what does your day look like so that they can be kind to each other, understanding that, that their job is not just the one thing that they're doing with that individual. I think that's really important. And it allows for a little bit more leniency in the way that the, that maybe they thought that someone was not carrying their weight, but they didn't understand that they have this massive other project that mm-hmm. got on their lap and is, is the highest priority. Yeah. Giving each other grace and kind of knowing or setting, not rules, but 
expectations of not comparing yourself to other people getting stuck in that mindset just really drags you down. If you're constantly saying, I've spent this many hours at my desk, has how many hours did that person spend? Like it's not worth it, right? No, definitely not. I mean, that comparison and, and setting a culture that it's not about how many hours you spend at your desk. Yeah. <laughs> the work that you get done and and what you've been able to accomplish. Yeah, because some people are just better at time management and some people are just more efficient and they may not look like they're working as hard, but they're getting it done. And if the end result mm-hmm. shows, then it shouldn't really matter, I don't think. I don't think so either. I think the other thing that's really important is open having an open forum for a safe place of, of being able to bring out diversity of thought. And mm-hmm. when a lot of times people don't give their teams a safe place to disagree with each other or the, the decision is top down, this decision has been made and too bad. So to involve your team in big decisions, in ensuring that each stakeholder has had their their ability and their time to speak on the floor when making a decision as a team. Oftentimes it's hard to be the one who says, let me poke the holes in it. Let me be the bad guy in the situation. That can be hard if you haven't created a safe place for the team to be able to do that. And when you create that safe place, then you dodge so many holes and potholes and setbacks and bullets and things that you never knew what were coming for you. Mm-hmm. If you already pre-thought through that with your team and, and made it a safe place where they can bring forward all of their concerns. And then how, if you do have that pushback from your team on certain things in your heart, this is what you want to do and you're not changing anything. What's, what's a way that you can go back to them and say, look, I appreciate your feedback, but we're not changing anything. And that's just the way it is. I don't think I've actually thankfully ever had to say that's just the way it is. I think <laughs> go back to them and say, this is the fundamental piece of the why that we need to do this. And so how do we address your concerns um, or your worry when whatever, and sometimes they don't even actually tell you what the worry is right off the bat. They're <laughs> worried that they don't have the bandwidth to get it done, but they're not going to tell you that they might <laughs> a different reason. And so to go back to them on a one-on-one call and just really say, this is the purpose of why we need to do this. So how do we get there? What's the deeper concern here? And how do we um, solve that problem for you? Make it more about a teamwork approach to whatever it is that is that they're struggling with. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Do you think that it's important that you give the team members credit for their ideas? Always, always. I, not only credit, it's not just about credit. It's about giving them the opportunity to present their own ideas. I was at a a meeting with our our executive C-suite and it was a beautiful presentation that my sales leadership had put together and we had worked really hard on it and we had gone through all the slides and we get to the room and they're like, okay, let us know how we can support you with this presentation. I said, what do you mean? You're giving it like, this is your presentation. I'm here to support you, but it's your opportunity to speak in front of our C-suite. And so that a lot of leaders think that they have to step in and do the presentation for the team. It actually being there to support them and their ideas, not only empowers them, it shows you that them that you trust them. And as long as you're well rehearsed and you, I think that's the other big thing is never put them in a situation where they don't feel prepared. 
Mm-hmm. So if you we go into those big meetings, yes, they're presenting to C-suite, but I've been, I've played the role of the CEO or the COO and asked them all the questions that I know that they're probably going to get asked so that they have good and succinct answers. And we're really well prepared going into that meeting so they can put their best foot forward. And I think that's, if you can empower your team like that and, and you feel confident enough in yourself as a leader to have them be the ones presenting, then that just creates trust. Yeah. Are there any disadvantages to teamwork? No, not that I've ever, not that I've ever experienced. And I've been blessed with an incredible people that I've worked with teams that are just exceptional. I think a lot of what happens in animal health is that we're highly passionate people about what we're doing. So it makes it really fun. But if you had asked me if I had the opportunity to do something by myself or with my team, I'm going to say my team every single day of the week. (laughs) What does a successful team look like to you? A team that is communicating, that is aligned in a core vision and goal, and a team that has diversity of thought, again, and also ensuring that you have really no replication of expertise so that your every single person and every stakeholder really gets to own their own area. So if you've got an entire commercial organization, making sure that sales is is owning sales and marketing is owning marketing, but they're working together as a team. It's just really important that everyone respects each other as their, their expert in their field. How do you think that translates to a small business? If you're of a team of, you know, three or four people, how do you find people? Yes, they have to have their expertise, but they may have to chip in with other things as well. Oh, they have to wear a lot of hats. I've I've said this many times on an interview. If you're going into a small team or in a startup environment, you have to be comfortable doing things you will have never done before Mm -hmm. and know that's okay. And that if you're resourceful and there's resources for it, you can go ask experts, you can do some of the research that everybody's willing. If you go out and look, you'll find your answers and it's okay that you have never done it before. And that's actually great because that's growth. And I think that even when you're a really small team, it actually takes a higher level of trust because you don't have time to micromanage. I'm not a micromanager, period. I don't really even consider myself a manager. I consider myself a leader. I think there's a big difference there. But on a small team, you have to trust every single person on your team that they're doing everything they can do. And that when you hit something that nobody has done out of, let's say, the three of you, that you say, assign it to somebody and, and they go find an expert to figure it out. Yeah, I think these days it's so much easier to do that with Google and the internet and online classes. And there is a way to make yourself somewhat of an expert in a short amount of time without taking away too much from your work. Absolutely. I'll give you an example. I had no idea that I was going to need to understand state licensing inside and out. And working for Kindred Bio, that was something that there was really no one in the company that was owning that piece of the project. And so we found a great company that we worked with that helped us through and had all the expertise we needed. And so then really it was more about facilitating the relationship with them and doing what they advised us to do internally to make sure that we got our state licenses on time, which we did. <laughs> I definitely think in animal health, we wear lots of different hats. I know in my territory, I manage the territory, but I manage the marketing part of it and I have to coordinate with the marketing team. And so I understand where you have to stretch yourself and figure out how to get things done on the fly sometimes. Absolutely. And yeah. I think you also bring up something that's really important is you're working cross-functionally. 
most companies are working with people that they don't have direct leadership over there. It's like, how do you lead without authority and being able to get done what you need to get done? Most of the time people always say, oh, commercial and regulatory never get along. I actually, I had the one of the best regulatory people I've personally have ever gotten to work with at Kindred Bio. And that was because I could go to her and say, this is the business case of why we want to do this. Now help me figure out how we stay within the guardrails, but can stretch to to walk up to that line, but not cross it. And by giving her that business understanding, she and I could always find a solution. It what you know, maybe it wasn't the first idea that I put in front of her because of obviously there's, especially in animal health, there's a lot of FDA regulations and USDA and list goes on, but the ability to go to her and say, here's the business case. How do we figure out to get to to that end goal and stay within, within the rules. And and that created collaboration versus that constant like commercial and regulatory always fighting with each other. I think also that's such a mindset of equestrians to begin with. Jenna, I know you've been in the industry for a long time and your husband's a Grand Prix rider. And if you're at the barn, it's not just, oh, I only do this or I only ride the horses or everybody's pitching in to do everything. You're learning lots of new skills. If you're at a horse show, the, the person who does the gate can is also doing something else or the manager is driving the tractor. Like, <laughs> I feel like that's inherent in our industry to be able to take on lots of different things, even if it's not specifically your job description. I think it's also pitching in and helping. I think that's the other thing that when, that it's the beautiful thing about the horse industry is that at the end of it, the horses care and their health is at the, the forefront. So it it's no, you know, skin off of anybody's back to, if you need to be the one to go grab the ice boots, because there's three other horses and people waiting in line that your grooms haven't gotten to, or you're at a three day event and you're the all by yourself. And someone comes to help you because you need a little help. Maybe your horse is hard to get on. I think that's inherent to what we do every day because the horses always come first and it teaches us that life lesson. And also why I encourage uh, parents to let their kids ride. I think they, they learn a lot of valuable life skills that you just really don't learn anywhere else. Yeah. Thinking about that as well. <laughs> as mine get older, I'm like, ooh, do I want them to ride ponies? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I can't afford ponies, but I know yeah. the experience of just being around horses is so important and caring for animals and responsibility for sure. Absolutely. And Jen, you learned a lot of lessons falling off that little pony you had. Gosh, I had the yeah. naughtiest pony. He was so spooky <laughs> and yeah, resiliency oh, and perseverance for sure. <laughs> little old Mercedes. <laughs> Too. I think that's our sport teaches us humility on a daily basis. You can yeah. win a class and the next day you can fall off. It's just such a humbling sport. And I, I yeah. think that's one of the beautiful things about, and whether it's show jumping or dressage or raining, horses humble us every day. And they also yeah. are, they have good days. We have good days. They have bad days. We have bad days. And you, your best days are when both of you are having your good days. And it's never all wins in business either. It may look like that on the outside sometimes of a business that is successful. There's lots of ups and downs before you hit a certain peak that people notice. Well, and one of my favorite things, that's such a good point, because above the Sonoma Horse Park, when you leave, it says some days you win, some days you learn. And that is completely applicable to business. And if you have the mindset that every single time that you don't win, all you've done is lost, 
that means that you aren't taking the valuable lesson and your you or your team or your company will make that same mistake. And so I think that learning process and, and the ability to try something different from those learnings is really the key to success. Mm-hmm. I think it's helped me tremendously in my job. I'm in sales. There's a lot of days when you don't win, but Mm -hmm. the perseverance and just my riding backgrounds really and racing has really helped me push through. Lots of no's in that. And oh yeah, just because one person says no, doesn't mean everybody will. Right. Well, and some people that have said no, will call you back in two weeks and surprise you. Oh, definitely. (laughs) Yeah. Being an equestrian means being outside all year round. Whether you're an accomplished competitor or a weekend warrior, the same constant remains. You need clothing that works as hard as you do. This is why we created Redding Oat, our one-of-a-kind pieces from acclaimed outerwear to our new schooling collection available this fall, make it simple for you to stay comfortable and organized no matter the weather or circumstance. Shop Redding Oat at www.reddingoatequestrian.com. Are there motivational strategies that you've used to promote teamwork and success? I love team building events now that things are a little bit lighter with COVID. We just got to get together at Butterfly as as an organization. And that was incredible because there's been so much growth during COVID where people hadn't got to meet each other. And and just Mm -hmm. that face-to-face interaction, especially for companies that are virtual or have different areas all over the United States or even world, like that being able to be in the same room and really get to know somebody, I think it's important to make space to, to know your team. I mean, I knew their, where their background was, what they're passionate about, what their kids' names are. I think we, even pre-pandemic, all of my team's kids would pop up on Zoom and we would say hi to them. They'd have a drawing of for totally not approved by regulatory, but they would have made a drawing for one of our drugs and be like, oh, here, I just made this drawing. And we all, so I think <laughs> remembering that everybody is human and sharing some personal experiences, whether it's good day, bad day, what's going on in your life, mm-hmm. especially when you're on Zoom, where you don't get that face-to-face interaction, like just the being a human and being real, I think that can create a really sense of strong, a strong team because everybody's human then. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't and, met some of my teammates. They, they were hired during COVID. And so we finally, we also got together in June and finally got to meet them and really connect. And that it's so helpful because you get such a different impression of people over Zoom. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then when you're, <laughs> and then when you're in person, you're like, oh, wow, they're great. Yeah. Cause even on Zoom, I feel like you always revert back to just talking about work anyways. And even if it's not a work call and there needs to be something a little more than that, for sure. Successes is another piece and whether they're personal successes or business successes and calling that out. I had one of my senior leaders at Kindred Bio won a huge class at World Show. And we did a whole post on our social media about what a great job she did and what a big deal it was. And she said, no one, no company has ever recognized that as a good thing. And I'm like, absolutely, it's a huge win for you personally. And we're an animal health company. Of course, we would celebrate that success. And so I think being able to celebrate both your personal wins and your work wins together as a team is really important. Yeah. And how do you bring someone 
back into the fold if they do become disengaged and or they're not sharing or they don't really show an inclination to be a part of the team? So you, you can't save everybody. Honestly, sometimes it's if they are, first of all, you want to figure out what's going on. Sometimes it's not about work. Sometimes it's personal. Sometimes having that human one-to-one conversation, making sure before you have that conversation um, that you do a little bit of homework as a leader. Like I have a difficult conversation tracker that I use if I'm going to have one of those. So then I make sure I stay on topic and that mm-hmm. I'm able to address some of the things that are happening, but also ask the right questions and then end with a positive note and, and make sure I stay on track through that conversation so that you end positively. And sometimes they really, it, sometimes you just have to part ways. I think that's also a big lesson that you can't hang on to someone so long just to keep them. Sometimes it's better for both the company and that individual to just part ways and that's okay. And, and I think a lot of times we think that just means failure or sometimes it's just not a good fit. And I think mm-hmm. that's, so we see that with startup people who have only come from big companies and they come to a startup environment. And no matter how much you tell them there's going to be ambiguity and a lot of gray areas, sometimes it isn't a good fit. And, but you have to let them know that's okay. And then some people come to startup and are like, I can't believe I ever was in a big organization. This is all I ever want to do. So yeah. how long do you let that process go? Like how many chances do you give someone? I'm of the mindset to, to cut the cord faster. Hmm. then let something drag out. And it's, it's not really about a performance improvement plans either for me, because if you're if fundamentally that they are, do not fit your team, you give them a chance, you give them that one opportunity, but it's because you believe in them. If you're mm-hmm. going to someone with a performance improvement plan, you actually want them to improve their performance because you want them to stay on the team. Mm-hmm. If you fundamentally don't feel like they can do it and you're just checking an HR box. Okay. But you're not going to, they aren't going to improve their results because you haven't invested and you don't believe in them and they'll feel, they're going to feel that. And so if you have to put someone on a plan like that, when you frame it as this is because I fundamentally believe that you will succeed here and that you can succeed and you've just hit a few roadblocks that can change the entire scope of the conversation. And honestly, their belief in themselves. If, mm-hmm. if you believe in them that much, they will start to believe in themselves. And sometimes it's just a little bit of self-doubt or not knowing how to do something and having that extra help that gets them over the hump. And then they can be your best team members after that too, because you've brought them along and they know that you believe in them. Have you had some people that you've brought back like that? Absolutely. And I watched my boss at Kindred Bio, Denise Bevers, I've watched her do that exceptionally well. And it was a big learning for me to understand using that approach because I had been in a lot of organizations that didn't approach it that way. And so she really taught me how to approach that and how to invest in someone when you want them to stay, but you need them to, to stretch themselves. And I would say a hundred percent and been really happy with the results. And like I said, they could go from being one of your bottom performers to your top with just a little extra effort. Do you have any kind of qualities that you look for in in somebody that you're hiring or do you have qualities that you think make up a great team member? Qualities that I look, I've been in startup now for, it'll be almost 10 years. And the ability to deal with ambiguity is really important in a startup environment. You, I, you will never have a, this is what you're going to do all day, every day when you're in startup because you wear so many different hats. And so I, that's something that I try to gut check the whole way through the process of they're going to be comfortable with that. They also, I 
my teams tend to be very passionate about what we're doing and really believe in the bigger picture. There, I, I have not hired anybody that doesn't love veterinary medicine in some capacity. It's not because oh, they want to cuddle animals as a sales rep. That's not really what you're doing all day, but changing medicine, supporting our veterinarians, supporting our pet owners or horse owners. If that's what drives you, then we all are aligned on a certain drive and making sure that there's that passion can come from an end result. That's different for everybody, but they're still like, has, they all care about our customers and um, the pets and the the horses and every, everything that that we're striving to do on a daily basis. And it's not just marketing and sales or technical services. You want your finance team to equally care about the success of your product to change and transform medicine as you do your veterinarians that work for the company. Are there any certain characteristics that you specifically like to work with to see for you? I like someone who does, who is going to take the reins and run. I think that's something that, the the ownership of their work and the ability to know what they need to do to get done and have a clear plan. You can have people with great ideas and they can join a team and still have fabulous ideas, but to actually be able to implement and execute, they want to hand that off to somebody else. And that can be a trap that you fall into when you're hiring. So really making sure that not only do they have great ideas, but that they have a plan and that they're able to execute is the full circle. Do you think there's anything that would hinder teamwork? There's a ton of things that will hinder teamwork. I think right now we have an incredibly difficult environment. I'm I'm sure you all have seen the stats on women um, with COVID and where what the struggle that the team is up against as a whole, we, the childcare burden. I think that there's even being able to have access to our customers. I know in sales, like you're dealing with that on a daily basis, some are still curbside, some, I mean, that the whole world has changed. And so I think there's the right now, really, I think being kind and caring about whether it's our customers that are, are slammed. We had 11 million new pets added into households last year. Like right. what has that done to our poor veterinarians? They're so busy. Yeah. Uh, so, so being kind to not only your customers, but then also your team who maybe they have young kids and they were able to they were on the road and and using daycare and now they're stuck behind a computer and there's three kids in the background. That's okay. That's life. And I think that right now, the biggest thing that can hinder a team is not as having an expectation is that business should be as normal as it was prior to COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think there's any long-term changes that we'll see coming out of this? I've heard it on other podcasts and read articles and things. Certainly, the increase in working from home and seeing what all is can be accomplished, not being in person. Is there anything else that you see as a change that'll, that will continue? One that I hope will is that offices will become more pet friendly. One of articles, the CEO of Petco is writing it, writing a ton about it because we did add 11 million new pets and these pets are not pets that they've been a support tool during COVID. They're part of the family in a completely deep way that maybe we haven't ever done as a society, or we just took it to the next level. And so I think that we'll see a shift in having what companies do to bring animals into the fold, whether it's including pet insurance in your benefits. I think I've heard that one floating around. The CEO of Petco's was talking about making sure that your offices allow for pets to come into the office, even if it's just a couple days a week. I think we're definitely seeing the flexibility of you can live anywhere. My sister's in the tech industry and completely 
not anything having to do with animals, but her company's like basically you can decide if you want to come back to the office or not. And so I I think there's going to be a big change across all of that. And then at the core, like I said, just making sure that we take care of our uh, women in this process, I think is going to be really important. I've seen some pretty scary statistics about what this is doing to set us back. Yeah. And how many people are, how many women are dropping out of the workforce is pretty shocking. How do they get back? And I don't know is that led by businesses? I think it has to be right. Rather than some sort of government mandate or something like that, individual businesses need to step up and say, this is how we're going to support our employees. And I think also the the leaders within those businesses have to step up and put the pressure on their businesses. And I think Mm -hmm. that's, I have a lot of my team from Kinder Bio that's now at different companies. They are really putting pressure on their leader, on their bosses, on their lead, on the leadership to ensure that it's part of the conversation. I think that's the mm-hmm. biggest piece is ensuring that it continues to be top of mind. And we don't just say, Oh, that's a scary stat and on with business. That's the, that's what everyone's saying. It's a new normal. It's a new situation. Things will never go back to the way they were as much as some people would like it to. I don't think it's even possible anymore. No, and if we can embrace technology to help with some of those pain points, I think there's good and bad to that. Like my team prior to Butterfly was an entirely virtual team and we had an amazing culture and we weren't forced to be on Zoom. That was just how we operated, but we weren't on camera every day, all day. And I think that (laughs) burnout that we see in our kids that we see like a lot of companies being like, oh gosh, we overdid here and we have no Zoom Fridays or whatever. I think that expectation to be on camera all the time is not necessarily needed. And I think now we're backpedaling as a business as a whole. Yeah. Oh, I, I feel it too, because we did so much virtual stuff over the last year that now we're going back to seeing people in person because people want that. I think that we have to find that balance because I think it was way too much one way before and way too much the other way this past year. And I think that there's a good balance between doing some such stuff virtually, but then also being able to connect in person. Absolutely. I went to VMX, which is the veterinary meeting and expo for those that don't know it. It's the largest vet meeting in the world. And normally it's hosted in Orlando in January. They moved it to June this year and they did a hybrid model. And we weren't sure how it was going to go and and what the numbers would look like. But once we saw the numbers climbing, we decided to go. And I am so thankful that we did. Not only was it incredible from company perspective for butterfly but also personally for me it was so it was so energizing to be around our customers and everyone that was there for a purpose they wanted to have great conversations they were highly engaged everyone was so happy to see each other and i i, I think it brought it brings back a joy to what you're doing especially like if you're in sales or marketing where your customer is at the focus of everything you do getting to be with them face to face it's just it's it will help any of, the, any of you who haven't gotten to do that yet. I highly recommend it. Yep. Yep. I think we'll see that going forward is a lot of trying new things, stepping back, trying other new things. It's going to take some time to get through to what works best. And, and I'm sure it's a very individual thing by each company, but, and by each team even. Yeah. Jenna, we wanted to say thank you so much for, coming on and talking with us. And I think we learned a lot about how to think more about a team environment and leading one and what to look for. And 
That was really interesting. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I have really enjoyed your podcast and everything that you're doing. And I think we have such a powerful community in our inquestrian mm-hmm. business women, whether we do business in the equine space or whether we don't. And I think that we can learn and cross collaborate and that diversity of minds and everything that, that the other um, female leaders and, and that are in business and all our riders and any capacity, what we can bring each other is just so incredible. So I, I can't mm-hmm. wait till we actually get to have our first in-person meeting at post COVID. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> Me too. I'm I'm already planning it and we're, you know, starting to think about the next summit, which I know you had planned to be at the 2020 summit as one of our panelists. So I can't wait to have you back and for everyone to see you in person and be able to share all of our experiences. Absolutely. It will just make us stronger as an industry. Definitely. So before we leave, we have a couple of rapid fire questions that we do at the end. So whatever comes to your mind first, just go ahead and rattle it off. The first question is, what is one action that women can take to make a big difference in their lives? Oh, be each other. I would say lift with you and lift other women up with you, bring them along. If you have the opportunity to step into a leadership, bring the women with you. There's plenty of room at the top. That old mentality of there's only room for one, it is gone. Get rid of that, get that out of your brain and work together because there's plenty of room for women at the top. And what is the best habit that keeps you motivated? Riding my horse. <laughs> Giving me, And I say that because it gives me a specific point in the day where I don't think about anything but what I am physically doing and in my interaction and my riding, because otherwise, quite frankly, you get hurt. But that space, whatever that is for anybody listening, they ever... Find the thing that gives you space from life, from work, where you can just focus on on doing something that's for yourself or connecting with an animal or, or whatever that is, where you're not in that mindset, that will actually help improve. My best ideas always come after riding. And it's not because I was thinking about it while I was riding. It's just I gave myself the space to have a moment. Yeah. I think that's called flow. I just listened to a whole podcast on it. <laughs> <laughs> the last one is, what's your favorite horse movie? Oh my gosh. I love Horse Whisper. I, that one's great. Secretary, it makes me cry every single time. I don't, I don't care. I can watch it a hundred times. Um, I'd probably say Secretary. It's so sweet. It's so uplifting. There's female leadership in there. I also have a soft spot for chestnuts. Yeah, I, I definitely, that one gets me going. <laughs> Is it chestnut mares that it's a soft no, spot? No, geldings. Geldings. Well, geldings yeah. thinks he's a stallion. Great. Thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed talking to Jenna and she has so much experience and expertise in this topic. So it was really cool to hear and that she was able to share what she went through and give examples. I think that really helps rather than always speaking in broad terms. I really enjoyed talking with her and taking little notes for myself as well. I know because both of us have worked in an environment where we've had to hire people and create a team for what we've been doing. Like I was yeah. at the farm and had to create a, a team underneath me and you have a, a pretty big team that you manage and lead. And so I really enjoyed her perspective of it. And I think I learned a lot from it too. I was thrown into being in charge and was put in a position where I there was a team in place and I had to lead that. And then 
negotiating through that was really difficult. And so I was glad to hear some of the tips that she had. I wish I had heard it before because I have made it easier. And even I think most important part was like when it's difficult, how you can navigate through that. Yeah, I think that's where most people get stuck is when it gets hard. What are those steps to having the communication and making the decisions that are going to help everyone? And I also know, thanks to what she said, that we are definitely planning an in-person event for my team. We'll figure it out uh, one way or another because, you know, we're like a totally remote team and we see each other online every week. But yeah, we definitely need to be in person. The same for us, my equine team that I work for, with now, we're all across the country. So we actually have some plans to get together. And fortunately, we did a big company-wide meeting where everybody got to get together. And that was really great. And it was after so long not seeing everybody. It, it was great. Yeah. Can't wait. So I'm going to go Google search and see what I can figure out put together. Find the links to today's guest and the show notes at www.eqbusinesswomen.com out twice a month on the 1st and 15th. You can find out more at our website and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Find Equestrian B2B wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to follow, subscribe, and leave a review. You can have all 20 plus shows of the Horse Radio Network with you wherever you go with our free app for iPhone and Android. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. Now, go build your team.